Uh, we are in October, and we are in our October series, which is called No Fear. And uh, yes, that is a clever reference to the fact that we live with, if we live with the fear of God, knowing the fear of God, we can live with no fear in our life. That if we fear God in our life, that we don't have to fear anything else. And uh, man, it's such a powerful message that, that, that those two words speak to us. And uh, I'm really excited about this. My, last week, uh, my good friend Peter Warrens kicked us off and uh, started off kind of talking to us about the character of God, about the father heart of God and who he is because if we're gonna know how to fear the Lord the way he wants us to, we need to know who he is. We need to know his character. So uh, he talked about how God is, you know, he's slow to anger, he's, he's, he's got a lot of mercy, he's quick to forgive, he's generous, and he's a personal God. And that is a beautiful, beautiful truth for all of us. And really, he set me up really well for this week to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. And uh, my text verse today is out of 1 Peter chapter two, and uh, we're gonna read it together. I, I, if you would stand with me, please, as we read God's word together. Just an honor of his word today. First uh, Peter 2, this is, uh, this is the Apostle Peter's letter to the church. And uh, it was written back in the first century, but it's for us today as well. It says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Everyone say, fear God. Fear God. Fear God honor the king. Title of my message today is A Godly Fear. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are awesome in this place. You are so good, God. We thank you for being here with us. Thank you for your presence in this room, in this building, God. We pray that you would minister to us, Lord, through your word today. And God, that you would open our hearts, that you would help us, Lord, to let this sink in and it would produce fruit, it would transform us, which is what your word is designed to do, and that it would glorify you, not just in this moment, but as we leave this place today and go out to our lives, we pray that you'd be glorified in our life and that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in each one of our lives, just as it is in heaven. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you, you can be seated. Thank the Lord. So we're talking about fear this month. Uh, you know, fear is everywhere, right? It's all over the place. It is very easy to get consumed with fear in our life. It's in our, in our personal lives, we can, be, we can fear disease, something happening to our body, you know, whether it's cancer or COVID or heart disease, diabetes, whatever it is, we can fear so many things in our body. We can fear things about our social life, you know, that we might be canceled or that we might end up being alone or that we won't measure up or uh, we're not gonna be successful enough in life. We can, we can fear so many things. We can fear the government. Right? We can fear that they're, they're gonna not treat us the way we feel like we should be treated or they're gonna tax us too much or we're not got enough money left when, we, when, when the, uh, the time comes that we need money. Uh, we can fear war and that things are gonna happen, right? Everybody knows about what happened yesterday in, in Israel and, and what's going over there, this terroristic attack that happened over there and those people uh, are, are, being, are being devastated right now. It's incredible, it's, it's horrific what has happened over there just in the last 24 hours. And, and it can, it can instill a lot of fear in people. Even here in the US, we can be afraid about what's happening over there because we don't know the ramifications it's gonna have. Fear is so easy in our life to just let it be a major player in our life. But you know, not all fear is bad. There is healthy fear. In fact, a good healthy fear actually helps preserve your life. It is very healthy and wise to have a fear of confronting baby cubs, grizzly bears, right? 
That's wise to not confront them because it will preserve your life to not confront them. It's also wise to have a healthy fear of going 100 mile an hour out here on Bel Air Road. Even though some of the young people would say it's not a big deal. <laughs> we know that it is. There's a healthy fear there. And it's not that we tremble every time we think of little bear cubs or we tremble when we think of Bel Air Road, but it's, it's not about being scared of it. It's not about being afraid of it. It's about having a healthy respect and an honor for those things based on the power they have and the effect that it can have on our life. That's the kind of fear that's a healthy fear. And that's exactly what the fear of the Lord is. It's not about being afraid of God. It's not about trembling when we think about him and being afraid of him. It's about having a healthy respect and an honor and a reverence for him because of the power he has to have an effect in our life. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Understanding that he has power over us and that, his, that who he is can affect our life. And the fear of the Lord is something that is very, very important for us to have. In fact, Peter says in my text verse, he says to fear God. He says, have the fear of the Lord. He says, fear God. This is not about being afraid of God because if you know the, the book of 1 Peter, later in this book, he also says, hey, cast all your fears on God because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety, all your worries, all your fears. Go ahead and put them on God because he cares for you. If he wanted us to be afraid of God and that was where the fear was coming from, he wouldn't tell us to give that fear back to him. It wouldn't make any sense. It's about having a, a respect and a reverence and even standing in awe of who he is and honoring him with our life and that our life would live, be in such a way that it would honor him, that it would exalt him, that it would lift him high, that it wouldn't just be when we're singing worship songs, but that it would be our lifestyle that it would honor him and show him the respect that he is due. You see, the fear of God is the healthiest fear that a human can ever have. If you're gonna have fear, that's the fear you wanna have because it actually sets us up for good things. The fear of the Lord sets us up for good things. In fact, in Proverbs 1.7, probably one of the, the more common verses that people know when you're talking about the fear of the Lord, it says in there, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Some versions say the beginning of wisdom but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In other words, it's foolish not to have the fear of the Lord because all of us want wisdom, we all want knowledge, we all want understanding in our life. And if you know, you know that it really only comes from God. The Bible says the wisdom from the world is foolishness. The good wisdom is the wisdom that comes from God. And so we all want that wisdom, we all want that understanding, we all wanna have the knowledge. That knowledge only comes, it only grows in our life from having the fear of the Lord. So the, the truth we get from this is that if you want to know the Lord, you have to know the fear of the Lord. You can't separate them. They go hand in hand. To know him means to know the fear of him too, to live in the fear of the Lord. So the obvious question would be, what is the fear of the Lord? Because if you, if you don't know, you don't know. It can easily be interpreted to be, oh, we're supposed to be scared of him and afraid of him, right? which already established we're not supposed to be, it's not meant to be, make us afraid of him, but to have a reverent respect and honor towards him. But I wanna give you a, a few specifics about what the fear of the Lord is. In fact, I'm gonna give you two sets of three points today because you guys are so smart. And three is just not enough. So we're gonna do two, uh, but I'll still finish on time. Uh, but I wanna talk to you about what the fear of the Lord is and then what the fear of the Lord gives us in our lives. So the fear of the Lord, the first thing that, that we would say when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, sometimes it's best to talk about what it's not to explain what it is. So what, one thing that the fear of the Lord is not is it's not being afraid of him, which I already touched on that, but I wanna unpack that a little bit more for us because I think it's just that important. 
Um, it should be obvious to us. If, we, if you know your Bible, you know the heart of God is not that we would walk around terrified of him. But unfortunately, if statistically, most Christians do not regularly read their Bible. And so many of us don't really know the character of God the way we should, the way that he displays through his word when you read the word as a whole and you don't just cherry pick verses out of it. And not only that, there's, there's teaching out there, there's preachers out there that will teach about that we're supposed to be afraid of God. He'll, people will try to instill fear in people so that they'll live for God. And this is something that I wanna be very, very clear on today because it is very important that we understand that that's not what it is. Because I grew up that way for a long time. I lived in fear of God, not the fear of the Lord, literally in fear of God. I believed that God was just waiting for me to mess up big enough so that he could give me what I really deserve. And I lived with that for years and years and years. And that is no way for us to live because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything in your life except bring you into more bondage. Your, your relationship with God just becomes a religion, not a relationship with him. And that's not God's plan for us because he does not want us to be afraid of him. That's not God's heart. In fact, when Peter was sharing last week, he was talking about the father heart of God and that, that we are his children, that we are part of his family. We sang today that I am a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. It's a beautiful promise of who our God is, that he wants us to be his child and be part of his family. And if you're a parent today and you have kids, you don't want your kids to be afraid of you. I mean, you might sometimes, but it's not healthy. But you want them to have a respect for you and maybe a healthy fear of you, but also to be secure in knowing that you're not looking to punish them for every little thing. You're actually looking to reward them if they give you the opportunity. And that's the heart of your heavenly father not to be afraid of him, but to respect and to honor him. I'm gonna take you all the way back to Exodus. In your Bible, it's the second book in the Bible. It's when Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. God raised up Moses to deliver them out and he brought them into the desert before they actually got to go into the promised land a generation later. He brought them out. And Moses had this incredible experience with God. If you know the story, he, a burning bush was there and it was speaking to him. It was God speaking to him through this bush. And he ends up delivering the people miraculously out of Egypt, takes them into the desert. And Moses, they end up at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. He talks with God. The presence of God is up there so strong. He gives them the, this is where he gives them the 10 commandments and brings them back down to the people. When he comes back down, the Bible says that the, the smoke and the thunder and the lightning was all around the mountain. And it says that the Israelites were terrified. They were shaking in their boots. In fact, they said to Moses, Moses, you can talk to us, but don't let God talk to us. Because if you do, he, we will die. That's how scared they were. They were literally paralyzed with fear. They were afraid of God. But let's look at what Moses says to them in Exodus 20, verse 20. He says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now that sounds like Moses is talking out of both sides of his mouth. He says, no, 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 don't be afraid. You need to have the fear of God. Sounds like he's saying, don't be afraid, but be afraid. But that's not what he's saying at all. He's talking about the fear of the Lord, which is the, the reverence that we have, the honor and the respect and the, the glorifying of him, the, the worshiping of him, the knowing that, that he is so high above everything else. And, and, and living in such a way that would uh, give him the glory that he is due. He's saying, that's the fear of the Lord. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid, just live with the fear of the Lord. 
In fact, you can go as far as to say that someone who has the fear of the Lord doesn't have to be afraid of God. The people that don't have to be afraid of God are the ones that have the fear of the Lord because they have an understanding of who he is and they've lived their lives in such a way to honor him and, and they can come to him. The, the, one of the beautiful things about our God is that he is majestic. He is above all. He is glorious. He is full of great mercy and wonder and, 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 and character beyond anything we could ever comprehend in our mind. Yet we can come to him with all of our baggage. We can come to him with all of our baggage and lay it out if we have the fear of the Lord. The people that are afraid of God are the people that have something to hide that don't want God to find in their life. Adam hid from God because he had something to hide. He didn't want God to know what he did. Jonah hid from God. He went the wrong way when he was supposed to go to Nineveh because he had something to hide. He didn't want God to, to rescue the Ninevites. He wanted them to kill him. It's those that have something to hide that are afraid of God, that run from God. But if you have the fear of the Lord, you have nothing to hide in your life because he knows it all anyway. And you have a better understanding of that when you live in the fear of the Lord. And that's God's heart for all of us. So if the fear of the Lord is not about being afraid of him. Secondly, it's also about more than just loving him. Because see, for many of us, we might say, oh, the fear of the Lord, if that means, I have the fear of the Lord, that just means that I just love God a lot. I just really love him. You know, I just, I love to worship. I love to sing songs to him. I have the fear of the Lord, but I want to, I want to make sure you guys understand this today and clarify it. And for some of you, this will be new. Some of this will be a reminder for you, but the, the fear of the Lord and loving the Lord are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. In fact, you can fear the Lord and not love him. And you can love the Lord and not fear him, which really is where a lot of people end up in their faith is where they love him, but they don't really have the fear of the Lord. In fact, I would say that's probably more mainstream Christianity than really living in the fear of the Lord. More of a narcissistic faith where it's about like, ah, oh, I just love him. I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. I just, I just love to sing to him. I'm, he's so good. He's so merciful. He's so wonderful. I'm so thankful he sent his son. And I just, I'm looking for him to do some things for me. I'm just really wanting to bless me. And, and I, I love him, but my faith is really about me. It's really about me getting what I can get from God, but really I do love him too, but it's more about what I can give. It's a narcissistic faith and it's incredibly mainstream today, but that's not God's plan for us. That's not what he wants for us. In fact, the, the, the proof that you can love him and not have the fear of him in your life, you could, you could parallel it with with somebody that's, let's say somebody that's married and one of the spouses steps out and has an affair on the other spouse. Okay, it would be easy to think in that scenario that the spouse that stepped out stopped loving the other one. But you know, I've been in many, many conversations with people that have stepped out and they will almost every time they adamantly, vehemently argued that they still love their spouse. Like they didn't step out because they stopped loving their spouse. But we see in that scenario that love is not enough. It's not enough just to love the spouse. What often causes the person to step out is that they have lost the fear of the, and the respect and the honor of the institution of the marriage that they're in. They have belittled it to the point that they justified or, or got themselves to a place where they could allow themselves to do something outside of that. It oftentimes doesn't even have anything to do with how much they love or how much affection they have towards that spouse. It's just that they don't have the respect, they don't have the honor, they don't, have, they don't hold the institution, the covenant that they have, they're not holding it in the highest esteem 
they've let it down. And so they still love them, but not necessarily stay committed to them. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. That we can love him, but not necessarily have all the reverence in the way that he is wanting it from us. Where we live a lifestyle that shows that we are honoring him and we're allowing him into every aspect of our life. That we are dedicated to living this life for him, for his glory, for his purpose, for his majesty, knowing that he is high above all things, that nothing, that he, that, that everything in my life that I want him to be a part of, that even when he comes into the situations of my life, he's still so high above it that sometimes it still isn't gonna make sense. But that he is that awesome that I can live my life for him no matter what. That's his plan for us. And that we would honor him and know that loving him by itself isn't enough. In fact, let me say something here, and I think some of you will appreciate this today. Because I think a lot of us would say, you know what, I love God. I love God, I, I serve him, I'm faithful, I, I'm faithful to the church, I do the things that, that I need to do, and I, I definitely feel like I love him, I have emotion towards God, I can get stirred up in worship sometimes, and, and I just really love him. But you know, I haven't felt his presence in quite some time. Now, we're talking about the presence of God. There's two different forms of the presence of God, okay? There is the omnipresence that he is all the time, that he's always with us, he never leaves us, never forsakes us, he's everywhere. There's never a place that God isn't. He's over all, he's in all, okay? That is his omnipresence. But there's also his manifest presence that we, wanna, that we want in our life, that we desperately seek in our life. Many of you have experienced that where you've had moments where you've experienced his manifest presence in your life, where there was a moment or there was a time where you just, it was just on another level. Like you just felt like it was just you and him and he was speaking to you and he was clarifying things in your heart. He's answering your prayers, he's doing things and you're seeing him move in power in your life. You're reading the word and all of a sudden something jumps out and it just transforms your life and you know that it's the manifest presence of God in your life. And those times are amazing. They are life altering moments in our life. And we all want those things. And for some of us, we've gotten to the place where to talk about the time where we felt the presence of God, the manifest presence in our life, we'd have to think back a long ways. Years, maybe decades. And you can reminisce about it and think, man, remember that time? Mm, that was beautiful. And for some of us, for some of us, the reason we may not have felt the presence of God in a long time is because we have lost the fear of the Lord in our life. Because I can tell you unequivocally, the Lord is not gonna show up in his manifest presence where he is not honored and respected and revered above all else. He's not going to do it. He will not do it, church. And for us as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus in this place, you know. And you know what, when you, you can maybe think back to when you did experience his presence and you know back then it was a different time too for you that, that you, were, you were in the word consistently. You were, you were constantly staying in this and you were hiding his word in your heart that you might not sin against him, which is what the Bible tells us to do. That you were letting this feed your soul consistently and you were in prayer and you were making sure you were setting time aside every day to be with just you and him. And you're even taking times in the year where you're fasting and you're sacrificing things in your life just to make sure you can get into his presence but you haven't done those things in a long time. Now you just, you kind of just want to worship and, and feel the feels about it, but you're not really walking in the fear of the Lord. And I can tell you, you can beg him all you want, 
But until you have the fear of the Lord in your life in such a way that it opens the door for the presence of God in your life, you won't experience it. And it is so good, it is so powerful in our life. Now listen, it's not a formula. I'm not saying, oh, you know what? If you'll just do this, God's gonna just show up in manifest ways. So he does what he wants, when he wants and where he wants, okay? We're not, we, he's not like a Ouija board. We just do something and try to get him to appear, okay? He is, the, he is the holy God and he does what he wants. And he will, he will manifest himself in our lives at times that doesn't even make sense sometimes. But God forbid that we would lose the fear of the Lord in our life because I know without a question that that stifles the manifest presence of God in our life. Because you see, God is a loving God. He's a loving God. There's no question about it. But he's also a holy God. In fact, he is a holy God first. You cannot talk about the love of God, church, without talking about the holy God first. This is the error you see in a lots and lots and lots of churches today, where it's all about the love of God and all that he wants to do for you. And we negate the holiness of God. You cannot biblically talk about the love of God without talking about the holiness of God first. He is holy before he is loving. You know what? He sent his son because he's holy. And you might say, oh, uh, what are you talking about, preacher? Don't you know the most famous verse in all the Bible? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah, I know that verse. But you know what? Him sending his son did not originate because of his love. It originated because of his holiness. Because if it was just about love, you know what he would have done? He would have said, you know what, guys? I'm gonna break the rules for you. I'm just gonna forgive you guys because I just love you so much. I just wanna hold you in my arms so badly that I'm just gonna break the rules and I'm just gonna go ahead and forgive you. You're not gonna need atonement for your sins. I'm just gonna overlook it. But his holiness doesn't let him do that. His holiness does not allow him to overlook the sin because he's so holy and he's so high above all of us. He can't, he can't uh, discount or suspend who he is just because he loves us. It's his holiness that requires us to live up to that holiness level that we can't do. And because he loves us and we can't get to that holiness, he sent his son. That's why if it was just love, he'd say, don't worry about it. I got you covered, guys. I'm just gonna bend the rules. I'm God, I can make all the rules I want. But it's because of his holiness that he couldn't do that. And his love made him send his son instead of squashing us and blotting us out. So the, the, even the fact that he loves us is predicated by the fact that he is holy. He is holy first, church. And, and we should be focusing on the holiness of God in our life. Not in such a way that it becomes this religious thing, but in such a way that it's like just asking God to show us his glory, to show us who he is, to give us, to give us a, a mindset of who he is and how awesome he is that I can actually say that he is the greatest person in all the universe and I can actually mean it because I have a revelation of who he is. That's what we should be praying for. The love, I think we got the love down. We know God loves us. I mean, we're, that's, that's something that's hammered into us from the time we're little tiny kids and it's wonderful. You have to know the love of God because if God's just holy and he's not loving, we're all in a lot of trouble. But he's both and thank God for it. Let's not negate the holiness of God. Hallelujah. All right, thirdly, this is, this is what the fear of the Lord is. It is reverence, honor, and standing in awe of his majesty and his holiness. That's the best way I could word it. 
I know those are a lot of foofy words, <laughs> but it's so good because that's exactly who he is. It's not about trying to figure out how much we can get away with, but how much we can elevate him in our life. Like not how much I can do and not get God mad at me, but God, how much can I just exalt you in my life? What in my life is not glorifying you, God? Help me to get rid of that because I want you to be glorified in my life in every way in every day. You know, there's a reason that when Jesus told us to pray, when he taught us how to pray in Matthew six, he says, you start by saying, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You start with hallowing his name. You know what that word hollow means? It means to honor as holy. That's how we come into the presence of God. We honor him as holy. First, church, first. You can give him your laundry list, but it starts by saying, God, you are holy and I honor you above all else. And you, it's amazing how that gives you perspective even on your laundry list. When you look at him with those eyes and help him to see, help, and God helps you to see who he is and how amazing he is, it changes everything. He is worthy. You know, there are tons of scriptures in the Bible that talk about who he is. And I'm just gonna share just a couple of them with you just to stir you a little bit. It's hard to even find the best ones because they're all so good. First uh, Chronicles 29, 11, this is King David. He said, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Praise God. Psalm 104, one, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. These are people that lived with the fear of the Lord. This 25th verse of Jude, it says to God, our savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank God for who he is. You know, I love that he's approachable. I love that he wants relationship with us. I love that we can come boldly to his throne of grace, but it's just as important that we remember that he is all powerful, that he has dominion, that he is very great, that he deserves honor, that he is, a, he is majestic, that he is exalted, that everything in heaven and on earth is his, that he has the victory, that he is the one that deserves all the glory in life. It's so important that we remember that. The apostle Paul in the New Testament, he, he kind of sums up what the fear of the Lord looks like here, just in a couple verses here in Philippians two. And I love it, in verse 12 he says, "Therefore." My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here it is, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That basically describes what the fear of the Lord is. It is about working out your salvation. Now don't, don't take this the wrong way. It's not about, you don't have to work for salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Ephesians is very clear on that, but it is a free gift of grace that it can only be received. We cannot go get it. We can't work towards it. But he says here to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that as we're walking out our salvation, that we do it with the fear of the Lord. It's not, he's not saying here to be scared of God and to be trembling, literally. That word fear there means reverence and honor. And trembling there means a healthy fear of offending God by disobedience. 
So he's saying to work out your salvation with reverence and honor and a healthy fear of offending God by disobedience. That's what he's telling us to do. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like in our life. Just reminding ourselves that, oh yeah, I'm serving the king of the universe here. It's a pretty big deal. He's pretty awesome. He's pretty amazing. And then he finishes it off by saying that he will will and act according to his good purpose. See, that's what the real fear of the Lord looks like. It's making sure that we are doing it in such a way that it is about him. It is about his purpose. It is about his will. It is about his glory. See, this is where it's so easy as a human being to get tripped up because I have all these things that I want. I want my purpose fulfilled. I want my will to be done. I want my own glory. I want a lot of things for myself too. And this is where it is just so easy to to miss what the fear of the Lord really looks like. It really is about him and not about me. And if you, when you go through something and you've prayed for something and it didn't happen the way you wanted, how you respond is a clear indicator of whether or not you actually have the fear of the Lord. You know, if you're going through something and you, you're praying, you're standing on God's word, you're quoting scripture that backs up what you want God to do for you, you're doing everything you know to do, and then it doesn't happen the way you wanted. How you respond clearly shows if you have the fear of the Lord in your life. Are you angry? Are you staying in prolonged anger, bitterness towards God for not doing what you wanted him to do? Are you pouting to stay in that place? And like, you're like, I'm not gonna trust him anymore because I tried and he didn't do it. You're gonna give him an ultimatum. Like a lot of those things that, that can come up in us when we don't see the fruition of our efforts in something that we want God to do for us. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, if you have the fear of the Lord, you're just gonna be like, oh, well, it didn't work out, no big deal. You still have a response or still emotions that we have, but staying in that place shows you really don't have the fear of the Lord. Because if you have the fear of the Lord in your life, you might have that response, but you're gonna come back quickly to this place of God, I trust you. God, you're still awesome. You're still majestic. You're still high on the throne. You're still lifted up. You're still glorious. You're still amazing. And you're still worthy of my life and of my worship. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. It's not for your purpose, it's for his. And this is easily, by far, the hardest one for us to get over in our own life because it's easy to just want our own thing. So this leads me to my second three points which is the fear, what the fear of the Lord gives us. Because I think we need to ask ourselves, well, what does it do? What, what, what's, what's in it for me? <laughs> now, I'm not trying to, to pander to you guys, but there's also that, that response in all of us that wants to know, well, you know, why? And now I will say, I think that having the, the reward for having the fear of the Lord in your life is having the fear of the Lord in your life. It's its own reward because it's amazing. Because it gives, it gives perspective, it... it, it, it uh, takes us to places and gives us revelation of God that, that those that don't have that can never have. So that's, for, that's to start it off. But, but let me give you a couple things here just real quickly that I think can help encourage us to help us even understand what it looks like. So the fear of the Lord gives us purpose. People crave purpose, right? In fact, people crave purpose more than anything else in all the world, even if they don't know it. People crave purpose more than money, more than power, more than fame, more than comfort, more than all the other things combined, people want purpose. And we know that's true because there are people that have climbed to the top of the mountain that are some of the most miserable people in the world because it's empty. And we all want purpose in our life. 
And it might sound crazy to you if you're not there, but I can promise you this is one of the biggest truths you'll ever hear. The purpose of life is the fear of the Lord. It really is the fear of the Lord because there's nothing like the fear of the Lord because it puts everything else into perspective. When we elevate God Almighty in our life, it makes everything else in our life just seem small. It just does. How can it not? Because we know enough to know that everything in life is small compared to him. So when we get a revelation and understanding of who he actually is, the stuff has no option but to become small. And so we have purpose when we walk in the fear of the Lord. And we miss out on God's given purpose when we ignore the fear of the Lord in our life. We miss out on really the purpose of life when we ignore the fear, of God, the fear of God in our life. There's other things in life that can bring purpose for a, a season. There's, there's things that can make you feel like you got something to live for and you got some purpose, but those things all have an expiration date. Every one of them. Every single one of them. They all feel empty outside of honoring God. And I know this firsthand, and I bet many of you do too. I can tell you, the, the, the time that I felt the least amount of purpose in my life, this is no joke, was the year when, when we had our business and we had the best year ever in our business, I felt the least amount of purpose in my life. It felt the emptiest because I got to this place where I thought would help me feel better about things, and it didn't. It's empty. And many of you have dealt with that as well, where you just, you thought, man, if I could just get this job, then I'm gonna feel some purpose because I'm not being, my talents aren't being utilized in this job. So if I can get this one, I'll be able to use the giftings God has given me and I'll feel purpose. See how we put God in it too? Or if I could just, you know, get, get some more money or if I can get this relationship, then I'll feel like I have purpose. And you find out that if that's where you're putting your, your chips for wanting purpose in your life, you'll find that it's empty. Because true purpose comes from fear of the Lord in our life. Even freedom doesn't give us purpose. We can think, you know, just needing to be free, wanting to be free, even, even freedom in Christ, as wonderful as that is, that's not what gives us purpose. You know, the freedom we have in Christ is so that we can have the fear of the Lord. It's so that we can honor him with our life. It's so that we can live for him and we can come to him with all of our baggage, not fearing reprisal for it, but being able to actually live for him. But freedom doesn't bring purpose, and I can prove it, because when you go back to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and I told you, you know, they lived in the slums, they lived in the worst possible conditions they could have lived in. When they lived there, being a homeless person in Augusta would have been a huge upgrade for them. That's how bad it was, okay? They had it horrible. They get out of their final, they're delivered, they're free. And what do they do? They complain, nonstop. And what are some of their complaints? We just wanna go back to Egypt. We wanna go back. You know why? They had no fear of the Lord, none. They had no understanding of how awesome and amazing God was to them and how good he was to them. And it made them wanna go back. And in contrast, when you look at Moses, who's the one that brought them out, you don't see one time where Moses complains and says, man, I just wish I could go back to Egypt. Not one time. And Moses didn't live in the slums in Egypt, church. He lived in the palace. He lived in the gated community. He had a car for every day of the week. He had the corporate credit card, could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, all day long. Millions of followers on social media. I mean, he was the man. Yet he did not one time say, I, was, I could just go back to that. Even though now he's living in the desert. Why? 
Fear the Lord. He had an encounter with God. He met with God in powerful ways that, that people just didn't get to do back then, but that we can all do now because we get to come into his presence all the time, anytime we want. So he had this incredible encounter with God and he knew that that was so much better than even living high on the hog back in Egypt because he had the fear of the Lord and it gives you purpose. He had a purpose in his life because he understood that. And that's exactly what it does for us. It gives us purpose and it gives us peace. The fear of the Lord will bring peace in our life. Not necessarily the peace that means there won't be any storms, but peace in the storm. That he will bring peace in the storm. You know, I've been saying it with this series that if we fear the Lord, we don't have to fear anything else. That if we have the fear of the Lord, we can have peace in every other situation that comes in life. Everything else that comes into our life. Psalm 112, I love it. What it says here, it's so powerful. Verses one and then seven to eight. It says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Look at this. They do not fear bad news. That's peace. It's not saying they won't have any bad news. They just don't fear it. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. And it's all based on the fear of the Lord. Every bit of it the joy that comes, the delight in obeying his commands. They do not fear bad news. All that means, if you have the fear of the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. I'm not making it up. It's beautiful. It is so beautiful. The fear of the Lord brings joy, brings confidence. It helps us to trust God. Do you wanna trust God more in your life? Any of you get frustrated at how little you feel like you trust him when things are bad? I've been there, I've done that. Or like, oh, I think I just trust him with anything. Man, God, you're, oh, I'm never gonna doubt again. And something happens, you hate how you responded to it, right? You wanna trust the Lord more in your life. It's not about more prayer. It's about learning the fear of the Lord. It's all about learning the fear of God. It's about, it's about living your life in such a way that honors him above all else. And it builds trust in you. You know why? Partly because the more you live like that, I believe the more he reveals himself to you and who he is. And the more he reveals himself to you, you get to a place where you'd feel foolish not to trust him because he's shown himself to me. Not that everything's gonna work out perfect, but it doesn't matter because I know who he is. And I don't know the guy that's able to keep me until that day. And I've seen him, I've walked with him, I've experienced him and I know who he is. And that's what keeps us in peace. If we fear God, we don't have to fear society. Praise God for that. You don't have to fear the future. That, that verse in Psalm said that they do not fear bad news. Too many of us as Christians live in fear of the future, of what's coming down the pike. Oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen to my kids? What's gonna happen to my job? What's gonna happen to my money? What's gonna happen to my parents? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? The fear of the Lord is a catalyst to keeping us from having to live in fear of the future. We don't have to fear death. Can somebody say praise God? We don't have to fear death, church. The world is terrified to die, doing everything in their power to live as long as they can possibly live because at the end, that's all they have. For us as believers, Paul said it very clearly. Jesus took the sting out of death. He says, where, O oh death, is your sting? Where's your power? Where's that thing that you claim to be? It's such an end. It's not there anymore. It says, glory to God, thank Jesus for what he has done that has taken that sting. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with him. 
So if you, but, but if you're just a, a shallow Christian, you don't have understanding of that. And it still feels like, well, I still got to try to live as long as I could possibly live no matter what. And I'm not saying we should have a death wish. But we also, when you live in the fear of the Lord and you live focusing on him and his majesty, I can tell you from me personally, the more I do that in my life, the more I've focused on just loving, honoring, worshiping, and glorifying him in my life, the more I can't wait to be with him permanently. Now listen, I'm not trying to get out of here. <laughs> I say this all the time to my kids and they're always like, no! We're not done with you yet. We still need your money. And we're not looking to go, but I'm telling you, Paul said it for a reason. For me to live as Christ, to die is even better. Because Paul had a glimpse of it. He was actually taken up into heaven. He had a, literally got to see heaven. And after he saw that, he said, man, guys, I hate to tell you this, but I don't wanna be here. This place stinks compared to what I've seen. But you don't, you don't have that understanding if you're just saved and you just love God. You have to be able to understand the fear of the Lord and, and honoring him with your life, respecting him, living with reverence towards him. The more we focus on him, the more the things down here just get smaller and smaller. And that's how we live with the peace. It's not making sure everything works perfect, but it's about living in such a way that I don't have to fear anything. I, there's, nothing, there's nothing in this world that can, that can breed and instill fear in my life and motivate me to live by fear because I've seen my God and I know who he is. All right, finally, the fear of the Lord gives us power. It gives us power. Now you're talking, preacher. That's what I want. Now listen, I'm not necessarily talking about the power to cast out demons or to heal people or to see all these supernatural things. Those are wonderful. But that's not really what the, I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about, the greatest power that God can give you, I believe, that comes from the fear of the Lord is, the, is to conquer sin. The power over sin in your life. The power to defeat sin in your life. You ever feel like you're helpless against sin? That you're just a victim of your carnal desires? The fear of the Lord can help us in that. Now, I know we need the Holy Spirit, obviously. Like, he's the one inside of us that, that convicts us of our sin. Right? Romans 7, we talk about it a lot, that there's the, there's the carnal man and the spirit living in the same body, and they're constantly at war with each other. So we need the spirit of God, but there is something about the fear of the Lord that helps. It's a catalyst for us. It's a motivator for us not to sin, not because we're afraid of what God will do, but because when you experience him in all in his glory and his, his amazing presence, you just don't want to, to veer away from that. You don't want anything to get in the way of your relationship with him. In fact, Proverbs 16, six says, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. This is the fear of the Lord, not the trembling fear. This is the fear, the reverence, the respect, and the honor of God helps us to avoid evil. Take you back to Exodus 20 and verse 20, that verse I shared a minute ago. I'm gonna share it again, but focus on a little something different here. The people are telling Moses, don't let God speak to us. We're gonna die if you do. And Moses says to them, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. That's what the fear of God does for us. Because when we experience him, a lot of those things that can pull so hard at us to get us off track just seem to really get small. 
They just don't seem to have the significance they had before in our life. And when we have, when we focus our life, make, a, make it a focus to have the fear of the Lord in our life. What I've experienced in my life and many others have too is that the more you focus on him and honoring him and glorifying him and, and, and lifting him up in your life and not making it about what he can do for you, but just worshiping him because of who he is. He gives you his heart. He puts his heart in yours. The Bible tells us that. That he gives you more of his heart. And what happens is you begin to love the things he loves more and more. And you begin to hate the things he hates more and more. You begin to hate sin. See, part of the problem that we have with sin is that we don't hate our sin. We hate it after the fact, but we don't hate it going in. We actually really enjoy it. That's why we do it. And if we can hate the sin and it can become like something that's just repulsive to us. You know, you've heard people that have said like, you know, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, he just took drinking or smoking or something. He just took it away from me. Like I got to where I was like, there's no temptation. He just delivered me completely. I hate it now or pornography or, or greed or whatever it is that when you get the heart of God, the thing that drew you in that you felt powerless against before, now all of a sudden you're like, ugh, what was I thinking back then? That's gross. That happens when we give our lives to the Lord in that way, that we fear him, that we walk in reverence with him, that he gives us his heart and causes us to hate the things he hates. And that is beautiful and that is power in our life, church. So there are perks to living with the fear of the Lord we don't go into it for the perks, we do it because really, it's the only way to live. And it's wonderful and beautiful. God's heart for us is that we would live in the fear of the Lord, because if we do, we don't have to fear anything else. Amen? Praise God, would you stand with me? Yes, praise the Lord, thank you, Lord. I'm gonna pray for us this, this afternoon. And I just encourage you, just open your heart, Open your heart to the Lord. For some of you, maybe you have left the fear of the Lord out of your life. Maybe this is the first you've ever heard it. Maybe you just, when you came to Jesus, it was like, Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to give your life to him. You're like, okay. But the fear of the Lord and loving the Lord go hand in hand. Like they are meant to work together. And as I said, as much as he is loving, he's holy first. That is a massive part of the character of God we're missing if we don't put any focus on that. His holiness is high above all other things. High above it all. And his holiness means that he is worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of our respect. He's worthy of our reverence. He's worthy of us to stand in awe of him. He's worthy of us of declaring how great he is, not just on a Sunday morning, but living our life in such a way that those around us would even be able to say, man, that person really, really honors God with their life. And I believe it will open up so much in our life and our relationship with him. So if, if you've been neglecting it, just repent today. Just do it right now at your seat. You don't have to do it out loud. You can just do it under your breath. Just say, Lord, I've just, I haven't even considered the fear of the Lord in my life in a long time. That stops today. It stops right now. I'm gonna focus on your holiness and thank you for all that you are in my life.
Lord, I just thank you today that you are in this place. I thank you for your presence here, Lord God. I have sensed your presence in this place today. And I know where you come into a place with your manifest presence, it is to transform us. It is not just to get us in our feels and give us goosebumps or maybe get us to cry a little bit. It is about transforming our lives to make us more like you, to make us live more for your glory, more for your kingdom. Your word tells us to pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. Nothing about our kingdom, nothing about our will, nothing about our purpose, but your good purpose. God, we have lived for ourselves, even in our faith. And Lord, I ask that you forgive us where we have fallen short. I thank you that you forgive every single time, that you wash us white as snow, that you bless us, and that you are always drawing us back to you. God, where we have neglected the fear of the Lord, would you forgive us, Lord Jesus, and would you help us to make it a priority in our life that we would live our life in such a way to honor you, to glorify you, not because of what you can do for us, but just because of who you are. And we thank you for it today, and we give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.